Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, as they go, we have a very exciting Sunday here today. Uh, This is Garrett and Katie's last Sunday with us. Garrett and Katie are sitting in the front row and are you videotaping me right now? Okay, I'm getting videotaped. Uh, I gotta be. I'm. Well, I'm. I'm thinking. You know, the camera always adds a few pounds. So now I'm just like a little bit like self-conscious about that. No, but Garrett and Katie, they've been serving here at Woodland Church since they were freshmen in college. Garrett came here in 2000 as a freshman got involved with, with Frank and the worship team. And I believe, Garrett, you even served while you were still in high school on some Sundays because your sisters were a part of this, this uh, church here. But Garrett and Katie, they've been serving here 22 years. And over the last several years, Garrett has been working on his Bible classes. Garrett has been credentialed with the missionary church. And Garrett and Katie are going to be moving down to the thumb and uh, pastoring a church down there. So uh, this is their last Sunday, and because it's their last Sunday, we're going to do something a little bit different. You guys have got such a treat today, because when you guys come to church, you expect to just get one sermon. Well, I got a newsflash for you. Today is a two-for-one deal. So I'm going to preach today, and then I asked Garrett to come up and be preaching today, and the title of today's message is called Final Words. So I'm going to be giving final words to Garrett and Katie. You guys are more than welcome to listen in. But I'm not preaching to you, okay? I'm preaching right here this morning. You guys can listen in. You can glean from my words here. But I'm going to preach to Garrett and Katie. I've got some final words for you guys here. And then Garrett, I asked Garrett to come and share some final words for us as a church. So I want it to be encouraging, and um, we, Garrett and I, we were just, just talking what this Sunday could be looking like here, and so Garrett is going to come and share after I share the final words today. Well, if you have your Bibles, my final words are coming out of John chapter 10, verses 1 through 16, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand as we read this section of Scripture together. The Word of God says this this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So verse 7, Jesus, Jesus explains, Jesus again says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, as we seek you, Father, I pray that these words will be an encouragement and a challenge to Garrett and Katie this morning. Father, I praise you for, for their time of ministry here, for their time of blessing and serving. But Lord, may your word speak this morning. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Since I'm preaching to you, Garrett, I'm going to be, be trying to have like uninterrupted eye contact for the next 10 minutes, okay? I'm just going to just be zoning in. Oh, there you go. Oh, he just broke it. Well, Garrett, this passage here, we can glean a lot on this passage on what Jesus says about being the good shepherd. Jesus here is using the language of the day that the that the men and women would have fully understood at this time. When Jesus talks about sheep and a sheep pen and the fold and the gate, the men and women listening to these, to these words, they would have totally of, of understood what Jesus was talking about. They would have understood his words. Farm life was a part of their culture. And they would have for sure have known what a shepherd was. In fact, you can just read Scripture and their shepherds all the way dating back to the book of Genesis. For whatever reason, God always tends to use shepherds as his leaders, Moses and David. But Jesus here, we see that Jesus is our great shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And we could go simply be going through this here, Garrett, and looking at point by point as Jesus is our example. But Garrett, as you go... You are, going to be, you are called to shepherd. A pastor is a shepherd. A pastor shepherds God's people. And just like anything in life, there's going to be good shepherds and there's going to be bad shepherds. In fact, you can look at this with all aspects of life. There's good plumbers and bad plumbers. There's, there's going to be good workers and bad workers. But here, Jesus is our example of what a good shepherd looks like. And I think as a pastor, we can, we can glean from this because your role as a shepherd, your role as a pastor is so vital. Don't listen to the words that, oh, the pastors, it doesn't matter. Pastors set the tone. Pastors set the tone for the church, how they lead, people lead, how they give, people give, how they love, people love. You're going to be going down there and you are going to be setting the tone, setting the culture for that church. And as I look at this, at this passage here, we can glean something. Jesus talks about two different kinds of people. There's a hired hand, 
and then there's a shepherd. And I kind of want to just kind of focus in on those two different people here. Jesus says this in, in John 10, 11 through 13. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees. In verse 13, this part is important. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Like I said, there's two different kinds of people Jesus talks about here, Garrett. He talks about a hired hand, and he talks about a shepherd. And, you know, I'm one of the most biggest critics of pastors. The church family, they may not know that, but I, I, I am hard on pastors because I look at them and I think, man, you gotta, you got to do this better. You know, we look at the American church. There's problems after problems. People are getting crazier and crazier. And God's people need a shepherd. They need a good shepherd. But there's too many hired hands out there. And I think there's a great way to spot a hired hand as a pastor. The moment they start to care about the money. Plain and simple. I find it so ironic that constantly, pastors do this all the time, they're constantly leaving a, leaving a, a pasture for a bigger pasture and for a better paying pasture. Think about that. This happens constantly. It drives me nuts. Because I'm just like, you're a hired hand. That's all that you are. You are only doing this because it's a job. It's not a job. A hired hand looks at being a pastor like it's a nine-to-five job. I clock in at nine, I clock out at five, and I'm done. And it breaks my heart because I see these pastors all the time. They're leaving. They're moving on to what they think is greener pasture. And it's just, it's like kills me. Absolutely kills me. That's not our job. That's, that, is, that is not our role as pastors. We're not here because we're hired. We're here because God has called us, and he's called us to shepherd. And it just breaks me because as you look at this scripture here, it says a hired hand flees when times get difficult. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And when the wolf snatches them and scatters them, he flees because he is a hired hand. And look at this, and cares nothing for the sheep. A little stress comes to a pastor, some difficult times. And guys, I see this happen, and you who have been part of churches have seen this play out time and time again. A little bit of difficulty, a little bit of confrontation. They leave. They're unwilling to do hard work. They're unwilling to sacrifice everything. And I share this with you here because, Garrett, as you go and as you start full-time ministry, they're not hiring you. It's not a job down there. You're going to go to shepherd God's people. You are not a hired hand. You are the shepherd that God is calling you to be. And what we see here is that the hired hand has no courage. The hired hand sees a wolf come in. He's unwilling to confront the wolf. He's unwilling to deal with that wolf. He's unwilling to protect God's people. And I want to just encourage you. A shepherd is here to sacrifice, Garrett. 
you're here to sacrifice everything. For the next 30 years, Lord willing, maybe even 40, maybe you can make it to 80 pastoring down there. 40 years of laying down your life for God's people. That's the calling. It's, it is one of the most difficult callings. The sheep, they're not going to understand this calling. They're going to want to joke around with you. Oh, you're only working one day a week, Pastor. You're working all the time. Because your thought, you, you're going to wake up thinking about God's people. You're going to have dreams at night waking up thinking, man, I've got, I got to be praying for God's people. I've got to be, be ministering there. I've got to be loving there. I've got to be caring there. You can't do that if you view it as a job. It's a lifestyle. You're going to go and your job to this church is to lay down your life for God's people, to sacrifice everything, times, everything. I've had times where, where I've gotten a phone call at Thanksgiving dinner, having dinner, get a call. Little girl just, just got her face ripped off by a dog. You got to go. You go. And you minister to them, and you love them, and you come alongside of them, and you encourage them, and you challenge them. And I just want to encourage you to be brave. It's going to be difficult. You're going to have great seasons, and then you're going to have difficult seasons. Not all seasons are going to be fantastic, and everything's going well. You're going to have some real difficult times, and you're going to have to be sitting there saying, God, I want to shepherd them. God, I want to be there for them. I want to lead them. And who are you leading them to? You're leading them to Christ. You, you, we get to lead them to the good shepherd. We're just kind of like a, a little figurehead there. We're just trying to like, you know, point, pointing people to Jesus. And we're like, listen, we've got a great shepherd. We're going to follow him. But like what I said, you set the tone for that. How you follow Jesus is how God's people are going to be following Jesus. Like what Paul says, do what I do. And I think that is the greatest challenge for you. But I do think, Garrett, you're going to do a fantastic job. I think that you're going to go down there. You and Katie have been loving so well here for the last 22 years. You guys have served well. You give of your time, of your money, of your resources. You have already been living a life for 22 years in this church, sacrificing for God's people. Katie, how many years have you been running books here? Ten years. Ten years of just counting all the money, paying every single bill. You know, Garrett, you've been on the worship team. You've been in leadership. You guys know what it takes. And I want to just encourage you with those words that you are not a hired hand. You are a shepherd. And I want to just give you one last encouragement. This comes out of 2 Timothy 4.2. How do you shepherd? Right here. Preach the word. That's, that's your way of shepherding. What do you got to do? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with complete patience and teaching. That means you got to study his word. Be a diligent studier of God's word. Read it daily. Study it when you're preparing for messages. You're going to study it. You're going to be, be reading it. You're going to be looking into what does some of these other people say. Just study his word and preach it. And if you preach it, God will cha change and transform lives. That's not you. We're not the good shepherd. We're just his shepherd of his people. We can't change lives. We can't transform lives. But if we preach his word and we trust 
that the Holy Spirit is going to be working, he transformed lives. You're going to be seeing people get baptized and getting saved and coming to, to, to faith. And it's not us. It's not you. It's just we just preach his word and just let the Holy Spirit work. I want to leave you with one last thought, Garrett, and I know that you know these words. I want to leave you with some wise words from Keith Green. Remember, he is the vine, and you are the branch. He loves to get you through it if you give him a chance. You keep doing your, your best and pray that it's blessed, and Jesus takes care of the rest. I'm going to invite you up here, Garrett. Come on up here and challenge us with the word this morning. I actually was just, I was driving into town yesterday morning to Menards at 6 a.m. and I'm like, what CD do I have in my car? I have no idea. So I hit the CD button, and it was Keith Green. And I was singing that song like all day yesterday. So I appreciate those words. Um, let's see how many kids or any kids that we have here this morning. Um, about a month ago, we had VBS. And I'm trying to see if anyone can remember what the first day's point was. Wow. Well, if I remember, go, Leah. Yes, he made us with a purpose. And I was remembering that as I was preparing for this morning. And I would go one step farther. He created us for a purpose, but he then redeemed us for a purpose. So the, my title of this message is Redeemed for a Purpose. Now, I didn't warn people. I can't break tradition yet. I do have papers. You can, if anyone wants to grab one on the way out on the tables, I can tell you the points. But I always have my fill-in-the-blanks, and I always will. But uh, Redeemed for a Purpose. It is great to be up here this morning. Um, and I, don't worry if you've been waiting for me to reminisce about stuff. I'm getting there. It's just a little bit later in my message. But when I saw that slide this morning, I feel like I need to pull up a chair and start doing stand-up comedy because that's what it makes me think of. But, so I could just change gears and just tell dad jokes for the rest of the morning if you want. Um, But I would say that we are redeemed for a purpose. Each and every one of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ have been redeemed for a purpose. And we can follow through with that purpose without fear because of what Isaiah 43 says today. And you're going to get double the exercise too because I'm going to have you stand up again as I read Isaiah 43 verses 1 through 3 and then 10 through 12 this morning. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then to verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord. Besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there is no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you with my whole life that you love us so much. They did create us for a purpose, so you redeemed us for a purpose. But I ask this morning that your word can speak. Speak to our hearts and our minds and encourage us. So I just ask for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Looking at verses one, or verse one at the very beginning. Now, I usually hate taking con- verses out of context and just speaking about a few random verses. But Isaiah 43 is a kind of abrupt change of tone from the chapter before. This is during the exile. Israel's kind of messed up a little bit. They kind of strayed away from God. They're a little disobedient. They kind of were straying away from their shepherd, as Jeff was talking about. And yet here, at the beginning of chapter 43, he's speaking to Israel. Thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. And we know... That's why I really like what you read earlier, the Good Shepherd. We know that Jesus, the great I Am, is the very same God with them in the desert and with them through all of it. And therefore, we know, those of us who have put our saving faith in Jesus Christ through the blood of his Son, we know and we can claim this verse as well because he knows each and every one of us. He's known us from in our mother's womb, He created us. He knows our very thoughts. And therefore, the words that he says, we can take to heart as ours. And so, point number one, fear not, because he has called us as his. Israel, man, they messed up big time. They they were supposed to, it was pretty simple. You just follow him, Follow the commandments that were set down, and then, but follow God. Serve him faithfully. Don't go and do things like make idols, you know, or anything like that. But they didn't listen. They strayed. They didn't put their full faith in God. And yet, here in Isaiah 43, God is claiming them. Those of you who might be sitting out here wondering, I have done too many horrible things, too many awful things, I could not be redeemed. There's no way that God would claim me as his. This is proof that no one is irredeemable. Every single one of us are redeemable. And he is saying to Israel, and then his son says, in John chapter 17, I believe, 
All these that you've given me are mine. We are claimed if we simply put our faith in him. And therefore, we don't have to be worried about whether or not we have a God who loves us. And we should be able to boldly go and do what he's called us to do because he has called us as his. Now, before I go to point two, this is my three minutes of reminiscing time. <clears throat> I'm just, just curious. I'm not sure if I really want to know the answer. But who in this room, well, August 20th, 2000 was my first Sunday here as a full-time student. I had visited here in the 90s when my sisters went to college here. But August 20th of 2000 was my first Sunday here at was the Marquette Missionary Church. Now, who in this room was born after August 20th of 2000? Okay, there's, there's more people than that. There's no reason their hands. But... Um, and at that time, there was a pew, if I remember right, it didn't run exactly perpendicular to here, but it kind of ran off to the side, a short pew, where some instrumentalists would sit. Um, there was a flute player, Scotty Spore, um, and then I would, I would sit next to her playing trumpet, and we would play hymns, seated on this pew. Now, the very first Sunday, Frank had already recruited me to play on the praise team, and he was excited for me to play my trumpet. Well, I already had a locker at Northern for my instrument because I was excited to play in the pep band later and stuff like that. But I left my trumpet in the locker. And you couldn't get to the lockers on Sunday. And therefore, I brought my penny whistle. And I played my penny whistle for that first Sunday. Frank wasn't super happy, which I understand, because it doesn't quite have the same ring to it. It's not quite as triumphant of a sound. Um, but from there on, I remembered my trumpet, and I played my trumpet faithfully. But my main reason for reminiscing a little bit today, I've been here, I think I counted, I've been at this church probably close to 900 Sundays, and I've been up on this stage probably over 800 Sundays. And Katie and I have been through a lot in our life. And I didn't come to Marquette necessarily knowing anything of what I wanted to do. I chose a writing major because it had the least credits of any major. 120 credits, get in and out in four years, easy. Can't really say I felt called to be a writing major, just did it. But we have seen this church come through the dry times, through the just the fruitful times. But we've seen God provide and be there through all of it. Verse 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Hopefully that first part reminds you of when Israel went through the Red Sea. And then under Joshua, when they crossed the Jordan River. And then you have the fiery furnace 
where there seemed to be a fourth person in that furnace, and they came out unscathed. Well, Katie and I have seen that firsthand through our life. We've seen that firsthand in this church through all of the difficulties. God has always been there every single time. And so point two, fear not because he is with us through all life's difficulties. He's always with us. And if any one of us were to take an honest moment to look back, we should be able to tell the moments that God was with us. I mean, he always is, but really see clearly how he's provided. We might not have been able to tell then, but we should be able to look back and say, man, I know that I can. Katie and I definitely can. And we can see what he's done in this church, just how he's worked in bringing Pastor Jeff here and so many times that he's worked. And he's had a plan that we weren't aware of, but it was a great plan. Like I said, when I came here, in, the year, in 2000, I didn't really know what my plans were. I just came to college. My sisters went to Northern. I didn't even look at other colleges. I only applied to Northern because, at least back then, I won't say anything about now, at least back then, they let everybody in. So it wasn't a problem to get into Northern, so I just went to Northern, and as my sisters did, they went to the Marquette Missionary Church, and so I went to the Marquette Missionary Church. I didn't have to think about it. And then Keith Kidda offered me a job right out of college, and I worked with him these last 18 years. God has always provided. And then it was only in the last several years that I felt a tug into ministry, into full-time ministry. But I would say, as I said at the beginning, that each and every one of us has a very specific role to play in God's kingdom. But I'd also say, you might be questioning right now. Maybe you don't know what that specific thing is that you're called to do right now. Or maybe you feel like a certain season has ended in your life, but you don't know where to go next. You're waiting to hear from God. Verse 10 through 12, I think, gives us the answer. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. We are always to be God's witnesses on this earth. Even if I don't know what my next day, I mean, I, I do know what I've been called to in this next season. But in general, if I'm kind of wondering what the next season holds, we are always to be his witnesses, just as Israel was to be a light to the nations around them. They might not have accepted that call all the time. Look at Jonah and some other people. But that was always God's plan. Israel was to be the light to the nations. And now, because of Jesus Christ's blood, those of us, we've put our faith in him. We are to be the light in the world. Let's quick turn to Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. The Sermon on the Mount of Jesus' 
talking to them, and he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people, put a, people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I've said this before. I believe our number one purpose on this earth is to give glory to God. We are created to give glory to God. And when we love each other in a way that the world doesn't normally see, when our words are words of encouragement and love and affirmation, and sometimes correction, it's necessary, but that can still be encouraging. And when our actions and our character are the same wherever we're at, whether we're at home, whether we're at the store, whether we're in church, people see that and it should turn them to Christ. We have been redeemed for a purpose. You might think you're too bad, but you're not. You have been claimed by God as his. And we can, can, we can do our purpose because he is with us through all life's difficulties. Always has been, always will be. And even when we question what God wants us to do next, we can always be his witnesses to the dark world around us. As I go to prayer this morning, I'm going to ask for the praise team to come up, and we're going to sing a song pretty much based on these verses right here, Isaiah 43, that pretty much sum up what we read. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that you have redeemed me. You have claimed me as yours. I am not held to my fate where I was buried by my sin, but I can live in the freedom that your son gives. So I thank you for the gift of your spirit to guide me every day to live boldly for you. And so I just ask that you help in each and every one of us to live boldly for you every moment of every day to your glory. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.